everybody, it's the Audi 84 show here live from quarantine. This is episode 147. As usual, we have Adam DeMallet below me. Below me. And to his left, we have Mr. Ryan Glover. Ryan, we have two special guests tonight. Would you like to uh, introduce him for us? Of course, Artie. Uh, we have Chad Briscoe, the former European professional basketball player who invented the ball by yourself strap with his nine-year-old son. He also is a former college All-American from Grand Canyon University. Um, and then below him, we have Jim Blissett III, who is an author, educator, sociologist. He is the author of the children's book, Whatever Happened to That Boy Who Played Basketball All Night. He has also worked as a senior public administrator with the Chicago Public School System. And he also writes for the Packy. We need an audio. We need like an applause track. We do. So after <laughs> I, I, got it, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. That's worthy of an applause. So like, we need some. We need that. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's, it's deserved. If you guys oh, are watching, you, if you're watching on Facebook right now, this is uh, this is not a, or a continuation. This is a special three-hour episode of the Idea Four Show live. We're going nonstop. We're on a marathon right here. We're nice. a third through, and we it's just getting better. So. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Definitely here. Um, nice. where, where should we start? Do we want to start? Uh, oh God! Do we want to start infections or books? You just I flip mean, a coin here. I don't know. Right? <laughs> so uh, we, we can start. We can start with. All right. Uh, let's start with Chad. Yeah. Inventor, okay. So, so Chad, I want to know more about this. Uh, the strap system. I, I watched a little That's bit of awesome. a video. I've seen how it works. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a huge issue when you're trying to practice and train. Like you said, the ball yes. goes flying. you got to retrieve it. Um, but before we go into so much of the invention, tell us what kind of inspired you. You were a college uh, basketball player. You played in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. So Grand Canyon University, let's start there. What was that like playing out there? And how long ago were you out there? Well, Grand Canyon was definitely different. Um, it was in, It's in Phoenix, Arizona. So, of course, the, the element was not something that I was really used to 107 and 108 Damn. training outside. Um, but it, it was a great experience. Um, I had an opportunity to grow as a player and also as, you know, a human, um, my mentors, um, my coach, assistant coaches, but some great individuals. So they kind of gave me a little bit more of what I needed coming from, um, California and being out there on my own. So it was a great experience. I was there for two years, my junior and senior year. I got a scholarship from junior college and transferred and had two great, amazing seasons there. So it was, it was a great try. Great, great run. Awesome. It's going to be playing in any college or collegiate level for basketball is, uh, it's pretty impressive. It would depend on what, it doesn't matter what division is. Cause, because yeah. you think about it, it really narrows it down and it really gives you that like stepping point to, you know, possibly becoming a professional. Yeah. So you chose to, you went to the European league, um, played mm-hmm. over there. Um, did you have any, w- when you were playing in, in, in college, did you have any ambition? Was your goal to be like a professional player or was it kind of just, I'm really enjoying doing this right now. And if anything, whatever happens, happens. You know what? That's, that's a great question because it was around my, my sophomore year in college where up until that point, I just wanted to play. And then I started getting offers from universities mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, these, you know, these schools really want me to come play for them. I mean, major schools. So I had to kind of evaluate what I wanted to do. And as I moved to that next level and then had an opportunity to really become that player that I wanted to be, I saw that there was a path for me at the next level. 
I just knew that I love basketball, mm-hmm. but it came easy for me. Other people saw it as, hey, man, you're, you're, you're pretty good. So once I started really focusing and honing in on my skills, I started really developing in my senior year. I said, let me just see what I can do with this. And from there, I became, like, like you said, a college All-American player of the year. I was number two in the nation in free throws, number 10 in steals, number yeah. 12 in assists. And I was just like, wow, this is just me having fun. So let's, let's see what I can do at the next level. So, so I just wanted to take us to the next level. With those impressive stats, did you get any any anyone from the NBA contact you at this time and, and have any interest in you? Or Well, I had a few opportunities. Okay. Um, early on, I had Kevin Johnson because I was in Phoenix. Him and Charles Barkley came and watched me play. Oh, I was almost getting ready to have an opportunity to, to try out with them, but different circumstances happened and mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to get to the, to the Portsmouth camp that allows all these top players to be seen. I didn't get a chance to do that. So that really hurt my, um, my, my, my opportunities to get there, but I didn't want to stop there. So I came back home and I just stayed on the grind and I started reaching out to these other, um, leagues around the, you know, the country, the CBA. And then someone contacted me from the European league and they're like, Hey, we saw your highlight tape. We want you. So they gave me a signing bonus, sent me a contract. They gave me an apartment. They, you know, did the whole thing, and I had a great experience. That's pretty cool. Where in where in uh, Europe did you play? I played in Cyprus, Greece, Greece, in the Mediterranean. Okay. Yeah, wow. right right above Egypt and Africa, and it was it was a beautiful place to play, mm-hmm. and a lot of great players come from there. I was going to say because now you have Giannis, who's you know the Greek freak as they call mm-hmm. him. Uh, the European Basketball League is a pretty impressive league. I, I mean, yeah. it, it's it's not the NBA, but they do develop a lot of impressive players, and a lot of players mm-hmm. do go there, and they end up coming over to the NBA. Yeah, um, you know, as time goes on, I believe um, who's the uh, kid who uh, who's playing for the Lakers got traded to uh, New Orleans. Oh, um, ball, brother. Yeah, the ball. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. one of them over there, and he's playing over in Europe right now. And uh, yeah. And, I mean, we get a lot of players coming to the NBA. So when you were playing over in Europe, uh, obviously you get this huge opportunity. This is something that's new. You're you're, you're on a professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, had you ever gone to Europe prior to this, or was this kind of like you just went over to Greece and now you're <laughs> now you're you know a Greek for a little while? It was my first time um, getting out, but it was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always tried to take um, advantage of the opportunity at a young age. Um, just like really getting into basketball around the age of about 10 years old, watching my brother play. And um, like I said earlier, being affected by where I was from, living in South Central LA, I wind up asking my mom to uh, allow me to move with him because he was in college playing ball. And I had no idea like really what that meant. So as a 13 year old flying to Texas by myself on a plane, I'm like, you know, I'm with these these grown men. So my brother's playing college ball mm-hmm. and he's leading the nation in scoring. And I'm like, what is leading the nation in scoring? I had no idea. <laughs> and he's averaging 31 points a game. So now I'm playing with him. Mm-hmm. And, oh, then, and then wow. having an opportunity to move to a different part of Texas to try to further my basketball and didn't have an opportunity there. So I'm just like stuck. Like I want to play ball. And then my aunt who came down from the Bay Area and I'm asking her two questions. Do they have any gangs? Do they have a basketball court? Mm-hmm. And she said, no and yes. And I said, I'm coming back with you. So I got on, flew out and moved to Pittsburgh. So I didn't travel three or four times before I even 
start playing basketball. So now I had an opportunity. And then when I went to Arizona, so now flying to Europe is nothing because I've already yeah. traveled at a young age. So I was used to kind of taking advantage of opportunities. And that's what I did. So by the time you went, you were in college, you pretty much went West Coast to East Coast. You traveled pretty much, you mm -hmm. know, the lower part of the country. So now you go to Greece. So mm -hmm. what do you do? So obviously you, you don't speak Greek, I'm assuming, when you go over there, right? So there's yeah. a little bit of a language barrier. Um, you're new to the culture. So how do they, how does this work? You go over there, you sign, and they just pretty much say, Hey, you got to be here at this certain date, you know, for training camp or whatever like that. And then uh -huh. does, did you have any assistance on getting room and board anywhere or finding an apartment or any of that nature? Or were you kind of on your own? Well, everything was set up for me. That was my okay. stipulation. I did not want to get out there and have to try to do too much because I didn't mm -hmm. speak the language. So in my contract, I stated that I needed an apartment. I needed a vehicle and I needed someone to kind of guide me around. And they had all that for me. That's and awesome. it, it was great because I knew that I didn't, I wanted to make it easier for myself. If you want me to play, these are the things that I'm going to need. And to make it easier for me to do the best that I can for you, I need you to put these things in place. And that's what they did. So I went out there, had an amazing time, had fun, met some great people. And I had someone to kind of show me, because the thing is they have a lot of Americans that come to these different islands mm -hmm. that play professional sports. And they usually speak a little bit of the English and understand a little bit about our culture more than we do them unless we kind of study up on them. So for me, getting into this environment, they kind of knew exactly how to treat Americans. And it was great because they, they gave me respect and they understood what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. So that was great. Greek food's amazing too. So you must have ate like a king out there too because you all it's all fresh. It's all, you know, very... <laughs> It's good. I mean, I don't know. I would say that was a perk. You know, you next, know, next place would be you, Italy if you played there. The food would be even better. You know what I mean? You know what's funny? My wife is a professional chef, and the first oh. thing she said, the first thing she, the first thing she said was, "How was the Greek food? How was the food?" Oh. Because she loves, <laughs> she, must, she yeah. loves that. And I said, "I eat Pizza Hut every day. What are you talking about?" <laughs> you know, I'm sticking to what I know. I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. trying to venture out with too much. I tried a few things, but I'm going to the. I'm going home. I want the fries. <laughs> I want the pizza. So no, no, me, you're being careful because if you said it was good, she'd be like, "Is it better than mine?" <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Like you're treading lightly and That's right. smart. But it's you really know, I haven't, I haven't had anything better than hers that's, ever. That's that's, ever that's smart ever, words. So. Smart words, right you're there. In every way. <laughs> that's all right. It's okay. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's everything. <laughs> so, so you're out in Greece. Uh, so playing out there, wh what was your kind of like, how far did you go? Um, was it all of Europe? Was it a certain part of Europe that you traveled for away games? Or was it just strictly in, in Greece did you play? Yeah, it was just on, on the island of Cyprus. Well, wow, so, okay. Yeah, so, the island is it sits by itself. If you look on the map, it's, it's a nice little island. And um, they had teams on the island. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had an opportunity to travel the whole island to play. And it was really, really great because just being on an island playing basketball in the, in the Mediterranean is just it's awesome. It's, it's, it's <laughs> just amazing. So great experience. Not mm -hmm. a lot of traveling across, but the island was, was home to us. So it was great. How long were you out there for? I was there for a year. Okay. I was there for a year. A lot of things started happening um, right before I came home. They started like bombing tourist buses. And oh, wow. I don't know if you know anything about the demographic there. They have the border is actually on the island where Greek, Greece and the Turkish, they share a certain part of the island. Okay. So as I'm walking, I remember walking one day and I'm looking, you know, coming from California and, you know, 
the Bay Area, you look and then I see five, six guys standing there with, you know, with Uzis and I'm like, I got to get out of here. I don't know what they're doing, yeah, yeah. but they're holding fort on their, on their boundary. And I'm yeah. just like, and I'm I'm kind of like ducking and they're looking like, what's wrong? And I'm like, man, they, those guys got, and they're like, oh, calm down. Mm -hmm. This is what it is. So I had to learn that. And once I got over that, I was like, okay, but it was, it was definitely something. So definitely when, something. So when you were done there, did you have, did you, tried to expand your career anymore did you decide like, maybe actually maybe i could find maybe get use my agent to contact someone in the nba or maybe mm -hmm. play in a different league was that anything you, you were interested in doing or yeah. were you kind of just done and you know that was it well i actually wanted to pursue my career um i came back home and actually i had two kids at the time okay so this is back in 94 this is a long time ago mm -hmm. so i had young kids and you know at that age it was more of i have to you know really take responsibility to support them so I tried to get into a, a, another league, but, you know, it, it was a process, you know, coming back home and trying to start over again. So I just took a hiatus and then I started um, coaching. Mm -hmm. I started coaching at a couple of different junior colleges in the Bay Area and my local high school. And I became great at helping these kids. And that's how I kind of got into the actual training part of the product and creating the product a little bit later, but wanted to help the kids and, and give back to those in the community. So yeah your ball by yourself invention though i am i'm always curious when someone invents something like when did you have that aha moment like that you know this would be a good idea like this uh, this this could work you know because i feel like a lot of people have had these these ideas yeah. you know usually mine come to me after a hard mm -hmm. night of drinking and then i write it down <laughs> and then the next day i wake up and realize it's not a good invention yeah idea. yeah but, but like i'm always curious how people come up with these these and it's like why mm -hmm. didn't i think of that you know like these yeah. ideas that seem simple but like the pet rock you, did it. you know or <laughs> the george foreman grill these are great ideas yeah. like, oh, great but like idea. when was that what was that moment for you that made you realize like you know what this is gonna work well, it was it was it was a couple. The first one was my daughter was trying out for her high school um, basketball team. She said, hey, dad, I want to, you know, I want to try out. I want you to, to train me. So I'm like, OK, so we're doing drills and I'm trying to get her to focus on dribbling with her offhand. So I'm like, put your right hand, your, your dominant hand behind your back and just focus on your dribbling. And she kept losing the ball. And I said, well, I have to create something to keep the ball here. Mm -hmm. So I wind up going to Home Depot, bought some Velcro, made like a belt, made like a wristband so she can <laughs> keep her hand up so she don't have to worry about bringing it down so she can focus and concentrate. And I also have another daughter who was standing right next to us who has nothing to do with sports. So okay. she's dribbling the ball and the ball kept hitting her feet and going down the hill and I got to keep chasing it. So I'm like, look, you get up on the hill and if the ball comes down to me, I can catch it before mm -hmm. it gets down there because I'm... I'm tired of running and chasing and getting on the cars and getting dirty. So yeah. the next, so I left that day and I went to Michael's and I bought the bungee cord and I Quite bought, tight. yeah. And I bought a, those balls. We used to play um, kickball with the hard rubber balls, Dead different ball. colors yeah. Yeah, yeah. and some super glue. And I glued it together and I wrapped it around the waist and I said, let it hit your feet. And it didn't go nowhere. And I was like, Hmm, I said, do that again. And it didn't go nowhere. I said, wow. I said, this might be something. So I contacted an event company. Mm -hmm. And first thing was just supposed to be helping the kid not lose the ball. Mm -hmm. So when I wind up getting my prototype, my daughter put it on and she's dribbling, dribbling. The ball never got, never went anywhere. So I'm like, great. And she actually passed the ball and it came back. And I said, do that again. She passed it and it came back. And I said, shoot it. 
and she shot it perfect form. <laughs> ball came back. I said, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> I think we have something here. So that's how I came up with the idea of ball by yourself, being able to train by yourself, pass, dribble and shoot without ever chasing a ball or needing anybody to work with you. Was there a moment where you're like, wait a second, this has to have been invented. Like, did you like research <laughs> to make sure? Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. No. yeah. I was looking and I'm like, man, it, it has to be something out there. And you know, yeah. it was something out there, but nothing with the basketball. Yeah. yeah. One that Fam- was attached was the, was the tether ball. Mm-hmm. So you had the tether ball that's attached to the string and you hit it around. Everybody knows tether ball, yeah. but I was the first one to add a bungee cord. And I was the first one to add a basketball to it for basketball training. So now I've created a basketball training tool that you can also use for fitness training for those who like basketball. And because of COVID, it's hard to get out. You can't get to the gym. So now I've actually been using my product. I've lost weight. I've I've maintained my health. So I'm a product of my product. So I I remember when I was a kid, when we used to play basketball, like uh, we practice, we had that little slide underneath the rim. Remember that? When you go shoot, the ball would shoot back. back And it comes back to you. Yeah, Yeah. that was it. You know, so it would help you for your free throws because you sit there and the ball will come back to you. But yeah, yeah, for for any drills, for any physical drills, like dribbling or, you know, Mm -hmm. even getting your form right when you shoot, just your muscle memory and everything like that, there's really nothing for that. I mean, it's it's, it's actually pretty impressive. Have you gotten... um, a lot of like attention from you know, uh, you know, like a like was the AAU and, and other like mm-hmm. ball clubs like that because it seems like it's it's just something that every coach should have just to help their players, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I'm up here in the uh, the Bay Area, so I'm right next to Oakland, and okay. you know, Oakland has a lot of basketball players. Um, a lot of NBA players come out of here: Gary Payton, you know, Brian Shaw, even Dame Lillard, um, and of course the Warriors, so Steph Curry, Clay. So I've had an opportunity to present this to them and they actually have them themselves. But one of the things that I was super um, proud of was having an opportunity to present this to Stephen Curry and Kevin Hart at the same time. So they actually, I did a video, they they were there, I I got on stage with them, I presented it and they loved it. So I'm just trying to gather um, great people like that who see the vision of the basketball and the fitness training tool together because it goes hand in hand. Kevin Hart, the comedian. Yes, that must have been quite the height differential between uh, <laughs> you, Steph, and that yes. guy. Right? I like have a- videos. <laughs> I have the, yeah. So on my website, there's there's a videos on there. So he's pretty short, but he's yeah. he's a really really nice guy. Yeah, really really nice guy. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, that's a, that's the way you want to do, right? You want to get some big names behind your invention yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So I did a. Um, a camp with um, Clay Thompson, so I had my own drill station, so that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Gordon, you know, these are all guys that's from the Bay Area, so I've done their camps and presented it to them, and you know, they actually have their own products. So now, for me, it's just kind of moving into another space. Um, I had an opportunity to do um, the largest AAU tournament, which is the Jam On It tournament in Reno, Ele- over 1,100 teams. And I went out there Memorial Day weekend just to kind of see what I can do. And I sold out in a day and a half. And I was like, whoa, this wow. is, I just wanted to kind of test myself to see what I can do. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. So that kind of showed me right there that the need from kids all over the country who have no opportunity for training because one, it might be too expensive or they have no one to show them really how to train. So with my training tool, they can just do it by themselves and have videos and things like that that they can follow along with. Yeah, damn. It's awesome. I mean, because I, I don't know the biggest challenge when you're a kid. Like, we had this pock, this basketball court down the street from my house. We used to go play ball mm-hmm. all the time. And the ball would go off, 
And, uh, you know, we would just be, like, practicing between, like, you know, games or whatever. But on the side of the court, there was a a massive highway, pretty much, that was on one side. And on the other side, there was this drop-down that went about 10 feet into train tracks into the marsh. So forever, the ball would be going one way or another. One way or another. And listen, I'm a a, a five-foot-seven Italian white boy from Boston. Basketball is the the last thing I know how to do correctly. So there were balls going everywhere. Like, I mean, I was just... Terrible. I mean, I was putting up an honest effort, and when I got one basket during the game, it was a big deal. But, like, so I would go play with some of my buddies who, you know, towered over me, and the ball would go flying. I would always have to be the guy retrieving the ball, which is extremely annoying when I'm just trying to practice, you know what I mean? There's a lot of kids who will appreciate this invention and not have to go and retrieve a ball, you know what I mean? Like, And there's a lot of siblings, too, that don't have to sit on the other side of the net to get the ball when it goes, right? (laughs) Yes. And you have a lot of times where you're at, like a lot of these players are playing AAU now. Mm -hmm. So what do you do when you're sitting on the sideline waiting for your game? Instead of being cold, you can sit there and work on your your dribbling, your passing, your shooting, and then when it's time to get into the game, you're ready to go. So it's a great training um, warm-up tool as well. So there's so many things that you can do with this. Like you said, being out there playing and having to chase the ball. So now you can get a full 15, 20 minutes of training in without ever chasing the ball and you're done. You know, instead of training for 45 minutes and chasing the ball for 20 minutes, it's like now you can just train for 100% of the time. So it's just it's just an amazing tool that allows kids to be versatile. And that's what I love about it. With the bungee system too, I feel like it helps you if we, like not just m- muscle memory, but also kind of working you out as well too. So you kind of yeah, get your rhythm, your timing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this, this, this kind of crosses and crosses a lot of different barriers. I had a young lady who I was at a tournament and she saw the product and she said, Oh, I love this. You know, how much are they? Mm. And I told her and I said, um, well, which one is your grandson? And she says, no, this is for me. Mm. She said, I have arthritis in my arms and I see if I can pass the ball, I can kind of work my arm. And I was like, hmm, interesting. that's a good one. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. So this kind of transcends so much more than just basketball. So I'm excited to like really delve in to all of the things that this product can actually bring out in people. But the training aspect, the basketball aspect, the physical um, train, physical um, therapy aspect, mm. It's great for kids with rehab because a lot of kids, you know, they're the ACLs or they mess their ankles up. They can't play and they get frustrated just sitting on the sideline. Well, they can use the training tool to kind of stay active mm-hmm. and stay in the game and keep their confidence up. So it's just so many things that this product can do. So you have kids that play ball, obviously. So you have one that, that mm-hmm. is an athlete and one has nothing to do with basketball, right? That's what you said. Yeah. So I have one that loved basketball. Yeah. Well, she liked basketball, but she was really good at it. She had the natural talent, mm-hmm. but didn't have the love for it, I which is you. okay. Yeah. So I I didn't want to force anything, but you know, she gave me an opportunity to allow her to like utilize the product to kind of gain yeah. confidence herself and to kind of build everything that she wanted to do with that. But yeah, then I had the other one who didn't want anything to do with sports, but now she plays volleyball. But okay. So that's something. Okay. So as yeah, a father, okay. someone who's experienced college collegiate basketball, uh, someone who's experienced it at a professional level, mm-hmm. if, if they wanted to go into the pros for some reason, they obviously get an enlightenment, you know, maybe in high school or, you know, they find a love for it again. Would mm-hmm. you, what, what would you suggest to them? Would you give them, would you, knowing what you know and how you experienced and what you experienced, mm-hmm. um, if they choose to take that path, would that be something you would encourage or would that be something you would kind of maybe hold back a little bit and tell them, you know, give them the pros and cons of it. Well, I would definitely encourage it if it's something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. So like right now, um, my son, my nine-year-old son who plays for the Oakland Soldiers, um, where a lot of the top NBA players from the Bay Area play, he's the one who helped me with the design of 
the strap. Okay. And yeah. he loves basketball. So my thing is, if this is what you want to do, I am definitely going to support you. But you need to understand what it takes to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to do it, it's okay. But if you do want to do it, let's get after it. So I would encourage any of my kids to follow their dreams because this was a dream of mine at 10 years old. I had no idea, but I just had an opportunity to fall in love with the game. And I said, well, even at in junior college, having an opportunity to say, well, let me see what I can do with this. I just love the game. So trying to encourage them, if you love the game, yeah. I'll help you. And now we have a product together that can help you get to the next level. So that's an amazing thing for that's me to awesome. see. Yeah. And I think that's it too. I think a lot of people like a lot of, you know, as all of us, right. We watched, we watched professional athletes, all five mm -hmm. of us as kids. And we're sitting there we're like, that'd be awesome. Be a professional football player, a baseball yeah. player. And you just dream of being on that field, the crowd, yeah. the noise and all that stuff. But you don't realize how much work it goes to involve. In that, yes. You know? And, and I had to, uh, I'm sorry, I had to put in a lot of work and yeah. this is what they don't see. Mm -hmm. You know, just like all the stories you see with all these professional athletes who are great, you don't see what happens behind the scene. And I was that person that was doing things behind the scene. And then they're asking me, well, how can you do this? How can, man, how can you just like, yeah. I've worked for it. Yeah. You just didn't see me. Exactly. So you see the result, the end result, and that's great. But I put in a lot of work and yeah. you know, the result shows. Yeah. And that's how you know if you're passionate for something or not, right? Because you're putting yeah. on those hours and right. So, you know, you go and play a game for an, it takes an hour, an hour and a half to play the game, but you don't, you no one knows about the eight hours that, you know, each day yeah. that week going into you practicing your free throws or, you know, yes. your baseball player hitting in the bat cages and stuff. Yes. And, and that's where I think that separates the kids who really want to do it and the kids who are like, this is fun to play with my buddies down the park, but mm -hmm. you know, it's about mm -hmm. the extent of what I want to put into it. Um, and also, and also what comes with that is allowing the players to be creative. So like for myself, like when I was out there playing, I was out there and, you know, the clock is running down three, two, one. Mm -hmm. And if I missed it or if I shot it and hit the rim, it didn't count because I wanted to make it all net. So I put yeah. in my mind certain things that I wanted to do to just like really perfect what I was doing out there. Mm -hmm. I had to make 10 free throws in a row without hitting the, the rim or I had to make a certain move, a uh, bank shot that didn't hit the rim or just being creative. So yeah. if you love the game, you'll start being creative with the game. And then once you start being creative, it just takes you to a whole nother level. And mm -hmm. that's what these young kids need to understand. If you don't have the love of the game, you can like it mm -hmm. and you like playing it on, you know, the Xbox and all that kind of stuff. But actually being out there, putting in that work, that's going to determine what kind of athlete and player that you're going to be on the court. Yeah. I think it's safe to say, though, that uh, Jim, I think if uh, <laughs> I think if the boy who uh, played basketball all night had a uh, ball by yourself, he wouldn't have become a world leader because he got he would well, you know what? Good. Yeah, he would have been yeah. too good. Right? <laughs> yeah, because he needed some work. He needed, he needed quite a bit of work. <laughs> but definitely. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so so Chad, where so now now you're selling it. Now is your pitch right? Where can we get this? Mm -hmm. How much does it cost? And uh, sell it. Tell us, because there's people watching this 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 uh, mm -hmm. show who, who definitely, I think we sold them on it. Because I think if anyone who's playing youth basketball right now, or any, or any basketball yeah. for this matter, this is a great great coaching tool. You know, especially if you're you're just you have a, you have a kid and it's just you and your kid going out there mm -hmm. and that's it. You know, for me, if my kid wants to play basketball, I'm not very good at basketball. But if he really loves it and he wants to play, yeah. and he wants to affect. This is something I would get for him because I feel like this would help him when I'm not around to practice some stuff. And then also when I'm there to kind of perfect it and kind of give him some yeah. critique, you know, so sell yeah. us, sell us where we get this thing. I feel like we're on that. And, and, what's what's and that? Also, also, this is a great COVID tool. So now a lot of kids are not able to play with other kids 
now this is the perfect tool. So a lot of parents have been purchasing this for that. It gives them an opportunity to keep their kids in the game and to be safe at the same time. So it's a great COVID tool right now because we're not able to share basketballs anymore. True. But this can be found on my website at ballbyyourself.com. It sells for $39.99 and it comes with instructions. And I also have an app that you can download that you can see other kids doing some videos on some drills. Okay. Um, I'm really, really excited and I'm sharing this with you guys right now, but I'm getting ready to launch another product. It's Boy. amazing. It's super, super dope product yeah. called Ball By Yourself 3-in-1. Okay. I can't show you guys yet, oh, yeah. oh. but I'm letting you guys know that it's coming oh. October 2020. Okay. I'm launching Jeez. October 2020. All so right. be, on, be on the lookout. It's the dopest product that hasn't been done before. I'm patent pending, mm -hmm. and I'm supercharged about this. So you well, since you just that. teased us, that means you gotta come back. <laughs> yes. like, you can't just tease us and not come back. That's like the hot chick who like, like hikes up her skirt to show some leg, but doesn't show everything. No, no, that means you gotta come back at some point. It's not fair. Yes, when you I would that, love to be back. I would yeah. love to be back and actually present my new product on your show. Oh hell yeah! That'd be yes. actually awesome. I would see some live video yes. of this actually been works. But, yes. Uh, it's 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 super it's super dope and um I'm, I'm really excited about it and everyone like you know my inner circle my wife my kids they're like whoa this is a game changer and i'm like yes this one right here it's it's super amazing so mm. i'm excited about that so just yeah. to give a little insight of uh, someone who has an idea for an invention um and wants to get a patent could you give us just kind of a brief rundown of the process i obviously get to make a prototype and then you got to mm -hmm. you know contact the patent department but there's there's, there's a significant amount of work that gets involved before you can get this product rolling, correct? Yeah, yeah. First, you have to, um, for, for me, what I did was this, and I came up with this idea back in 2012, so it's been eight years. Um, and the first thing that I did was I had an idea, and then I started writing it down and drawing little pictures of how I wanted to look. Then I would get on a computer, you know, on Word and just kind of draw it out what I what I want it to look like. Of course, it doesn't look like that now yeah. because it evolved. But mm -hmm. the first thing is having an idea, putting it down. And then what I did was I contacted um, a company that actually helps with um, prototypes. And once we got through with the prototype, um, I asked them actually to send it back to me because I felt that they wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing. So um, the steps that I took was to just to get this product into a, a place to where I can have it physically I can have it on paper and then approaching a patent attorney and making sure that they conveyed exactly what the product is when they're pitching the patent. Okay. Um, so there are steps you have to take, but the first thing is you have to think about a great idea, yeah. put it down, protect it and um, get drawings and just keep moving mm -hmm. and just, you know, and, and trying to get it to a space. Cause what I had to do was I actually had to start creating it myself because I couldn't find a manufacturer. Gotcha. So okay. I started creating my own product. So I started creating my own product. I started selling my own product. And then I came up with another product and now I'm getting ready to make my third product. So I'm super excited because I know the formula now Yeah. and it's easier for me, but I, I, I love to help and talk to people about, you know, their idea, their inventions and the steps that it takes to get to the next level. I love doing that. Yeah. I feel like that's the hottest part is to figure out how to get it first of all patent. So now you legally own mm -hmm. the rights to it and then to mm -hmm. figure out how the hell I'm going to get this manufactured, right? Because yeah. you're sitting there. All I can think of is that movie, uh, um, Horrible Bosses 2, where they, you know, if you've seen it, but they got that thing for the shower. 
genie thing. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and they make exactly. all these things, and the guy make fucks them at the end because he didn't take yep. any money up front and stuff like this. Yep. I'm like, damn, how many people does that really happen to? Right? It's like, yeah, damn. And like Adam said, we all have crazy ideas. We've been drinking and hanging out, yeah. and all of a sudden, that's a fucking great idea. And you wake up the next morning, that's a fucking terrible idea. Why would I put a, you know, a, 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 a child? Uh, uh, flamethrower That makes no sense at all That sounds very dangerous And irresponsible You know Shit But uh So we're in the yes. basketball So everyone loves basketball Who doesn't love basketball Basketball and fitness They go hand in hand they, they So should. I created a tool That That encompasses both And each one of them Is a billion dollar industry So I'm trying to get a piece of that mm-hmm. And I'm trying to show my My son how to get a piece of that And all these other kids In the community That, that That's where I'm from they can look at someone like me and say, hey, I see him in myself and I can be that. So it's more than just basketball. It's also being a representation of kids in the community that look up to you and that see you as more than just a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And as an inventor, you know, hey, this is a, a you know an African-American man that, hey, I can see, I can touch, I can talk to. And for me, it's just it's more than just basketball. So, yeah, no, it's, it's wicked cool. I think it's a great invention. And uh I have no. I've, I've, I'm pretty confident that you're going to be uh, selling a lot of these things too. I mean, as a as a, someone who's coaching, if any coach out there, they should grab a few of these just to keep. Yeah. You know, it's just you want. I mean, if someone's really, really into basketball, this is something that seems like a no-brainer, right? I mean, yeah. to me at least. But. And, and I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of high schools, junior colleges reaching out because they understand even at that level, you still have to train. Mm. And just because you, I mean, when you get to the NBA, you still have to train. So it's not like you've made it. You know, you still have to go out there. These NBA players still travel. They still double dribble. They still shoot air balls. So it's needed for everyone at every level. So, yeah. yeah. So from playing on the courts as a kid to going to college to playing the pros to inventing, a basketball player evolves. Similar to Jim, your basketball yeah. player, in your book. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> th- this is pretty impressive. Whatever, whatever happened to the boy who played basketball all night? So, Jim, yeah. <laughs> you are uh, writer for the Packy, uh, friend yeah. of Ryan, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. T- tell us about this book, because I want to know, what is, 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 was it Obama? Did he stop playing basketball at night and all of a sudden became the president? Or was hey, it, I know, mean, basically, yeah, to keep it short. Yeah, okay. It's short, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, about more in, it's about struggle. It's about a lot of things. For a kid's book, it kind of it, it wraps everything up. What is it, like 11 pages? It's, uh, uh, it's uh, man, let no, me but see. that's good. Like, it, it's no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting right on, uh, hold on, let's get it right. I have about tw- 33 pages. 33 pages. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, well, then, this... This website I'm looking at needs to be. It's a, uh, it says 19. Sorry on here. It says print okay. length 19 pages. So. Oh no, that's what is that a drive? That's why? That's what. Then you got to write Amazon because Amazon's lying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. From what I see here, I mean, it's it's it deals with a lot of a lot of struggle, and it's more than just basketball, you know. And um, but I want to hear your your input on like how what what inspired you to, yeah. to write to write this kids book, you know? Yeah, man. So. I heard a lot of great topics just came up with the last brother who spoke. But growing up, man, I loved basketball. Every day, all day, Chicago mm-hmm. Southside. Mm-hmm. We knew Michael Jordan. We knew oh, Isaiah boy. Thomas. Eventually, Derrick Rose. It was just embedded mm-hmm. in the culture. Yes. And, um, you know, everyone wasn't great. Everyone wasn't great, but everyone thought they were great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but, but you know what, though? Basketball, for me, 
it, it inspired me to get up and go to 6 a.m. practices in high school. Mm-hmm. It helped me meet some of my best friends throughout life. It helped me stay focused in the classroom. And it also just kept me motivated and it kept yeah. me happy, yeah. you know, yeah, throughout exactly. life. Yeah. yeah, yep. So that started early. You know, uh, my father was in the military. So I, I moved from Heidelberg, Germany to the U.S. And I was kind wow. of an odd, odd kid out moving to Inglewood in Chicago. And, um, but one thing I had in common with other kids is I was athletic, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I started there very early um, at about, you know, fourth grade or so playing basketball. That took me through high school. College, I, I went into the track and field route. I, I ran track a bit in college. But basketball is still something we did mm-hmm. damn near every day, yeah. you know, every yeah. day. And um, as I got older, came out of college, you know, I went on, you know, to study um, sociology, behavioral sciences, and I found myself working as a social scientist, as a social worker, as an educator in schools, mm-hmm. you know, managing counselors in classroom buildings, building mentoring programs with a number of institutions here in nice. Chicago. And another major thing was basketball. Yeah. How do we get the boys out in the morning to meet with their mentors? Offering Bulls tickets. You know, how do we mm-hmm. get the guys to show up early? For school let's have preschool basketball you know um games in the morning time yeah. so it was just a tool we used mm-hmm. you know they say give them a little sugar to help the medicine go down a bit better mm-hmm. but um, even within that there was one thing that I, I or one person i noticed in chicago people love just as much as chicago basketball and that's obama you mm-hmm. know for better or worse politics mm-hmm. aside obama is chicago's you know newest son you know, and um, just that relationship with basketball here in Obama. For me, just like the invention, um, Ball By Yourself, this story of basketball and how Obama used it, I saw as a tremendous opportunity because the story hasn't been told yet. Yeah. We're children. And there's a yeah. lot of um, great stories to be told about Obama, just like we tell stories about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, so on and so forth. So I saw an opportunity and I wanted to write the story before someone else wrote it. Mm-hmm. So some years ago, I worked with um, the Ch- Children's Defense Fund and uh, Freedom Schools. So, you know, we use reading in the summertime to really help students kind of navigate what's going on in the communities to kind of help them, um, you know, negotiate who they are and coming into terms with some of the things they're experiencing. So when I look at the story of Obama, you know, I see he grew up without his father there, you know, permanently. I saw his mother traveled tremendously I saw he was often the odd kid out at school. I saw that he wasn't a great basketball player, although he loved it. Mm-hmm. So I just saw just tremendous parallels with some mm-hmm. of the students I work with from some of the most tough, toughest conditions in Chicago, you know? So I wanted to just write the story, you know? And um, I couldn't think of that million dollar invention <laughs> basketball, but I think I, I think I found something that's interesting. Yeah. And there's a few other stories I want to, you know, tell through this yeah. uh, medium. Nice. Yep. So you could have told the story in any way you wanted, but you choose a children's book. And, yeah. you know, why a children's book? Was it because of your, your past of working as administrator of Chicago schools? Or was it because you felt that, you know, yeah. instead of writing this as a, in a more of an adult book, maybe kids could actually use this to kind of maybe help up their path and stuff. You know, maybe know that if you're a bad basketball player, it doesn't matter because <laughs> you could still be the president of the United States someday. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can learn it's teamwork. You can learn how to socialize with your peers, maybe manipulate your peers in the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, learn foresight, learn where that player is going to be on the court. Perhaps that can help you in other areas. But yeah, man, but, um, you know, I've written in other genres. You know, I've, you know, I started out in poetry club in college, you know, the oratorical side of things. 
You know, I've written at the graduate level a number of theses that I've actually uh, turned into books on mentoring black boys in a school setting. So that's one project I'm working hard on still. Nice. Um, and then a, a few other projects I've worked on, but this was my first children's book. I wanted to give the genre a go. And I've been working in youth development, man. It just made sense mm -hmm. for me because these are lessons I've been pushing to the young guys anyways. Yeah. So um, to put it in a book somewhere I can just mail out, you know, hand out a bookmark in public. It's just an easy tool that everyone can adapt, you know, and utilize. So it just yeah. made sense for me. Yeah. That's cool. I know you, I know you have another book called the, uh, the first theory. Yeah. The first theory, a bit more provocative. That was a, a, a book of poetry I wrote when I was, uh, I don't know, in my earlier twenties. Uh, but yeah, it looks at just some experiences I've, I've dealt with throughout life. Awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you have uh, anything else kind of, you, you kind of mulling over any other kids books or any other thing you're, you're thinking about writing? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually working on a story about Michelle Obama and her brother, Craig. Uh, okay, you know, cool. he, nice. he, her brother played Ivy League basketball throughout his life. And uh, well, you know, when he went on to college, but mm -hmm. Michelle Obama and her brother had a special relationship with basketball as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking mm -hmm. to explore that relationship. And, and I've been putting that together. I'm pretty close to being done with it. I'm looking at some illustrators to kind of help me out with that. Yep. Nice. Basketball is the, uh, it's the activity, I believe, that... I mean, it's very inexpensive. Most cities have a court, you know, uh -huh. and, you know, as a kid growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood, we played basketball, right? But yeah. there's no different yeah. than the kids growing up in, you know, the black neighborhood in like, yeah. Dorchester, right? We all did the same thing. We'd go down to the court after school. We'd take the ball down there. We'd play around for a little while. It was all the same. It didn't matter, you know, mm -hmm. where we were, right? And it's yep. one of those things when you start playing on teams and you start getting in school and you start getting an organized ball and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you realize that you all came from the same like yeah. root right you all just wanted to go play you just want to have fun it's, you know in it for, honestly it keeps you out of trouble because yeah, yeah you know there's been times where we're sitting there for you know if i wasn't going down to the park every day to play ball or play baseball or something like that i'd probably be in the woods trying to set fires or you know mm -hmm. you're 12 13 year old kid you get bored right you start trying well, to it's easy out. to get in trouble it is it's, very it's real easy, easy oh, to yeah. get in very. trouble you just think about all the times we've dodged trouble growing up, right? Yeah, like all yeah. the opportunities we had to get into trouble, but they were, you know, deferred, you know what I mean? So I, it's, it's a very universal uh, language. And as, we, as you can see, how big basketball has, has gotten in the, as being in the Olympics, all mm -hmm. the countries around the world. I mean, there's countries that you would think like, damn, like I didn't even <laughs> thought they would play basketball. I never thought there would be basketball yeah. in Japan. But correct me if I'm wrong, Kobe Bryant's dad played professional basketball in japan right so it, italy and japan as well i think but definitely italy, italy yeah so yeah, when yeah. you think about it it's like it's it, literally it's a it's a sport that you could almost compare to to, to soccer because it's played on yeah. all the continents all really when world, you think about yeah. it right so yeah. um and you can't say the same about really baseball or even american football i mean or ice hockey for that matter because they're not playing ice hockey in the middle of africa i can tell you that much, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, central america for that matter but basketball all you need is a court you need a ball and you know a couple of guys you can play two on two you can play one on one you don't need a number of you don't need a team you can play you know you can play by yourself if you really wanted to you can you, know? you, can, you can ball by yourself can't play baseball mm -hmm. by yourself it's very <laughs> difficult to hit the ball pitch the ball and catch the ball at the same time I'm gonna exactly. tell you, i've tried or playing football, you're going out there for a catch day, throwing to yourself. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. But uh, but Jim, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about working in the Chicago school system. Um, yeah, yeah. Damn, yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's a school. That's that's yeah, first hats of, off to you, my brother. Yeah, hats off. 
That is a so yes, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. So I, I serve as a college and career specialist at the central office level. So I don't have as much direct, um, you know, work with the children and students like I, I once did in the past. But working with counselors and just seeing how they're really, you know, working every day to kind of navigate some tough mm-hmm. waters, man, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, seeing just the passion at the at the principal level as well, and how much disrespect our educators mm-hmm. often take you know, from not just, you know, the district administrators, but also, you know, parents and students and teachers as well. I think these are some of our greatest heroes, yeah. especially in some of our most tough communities um, like your Inglewood, mm-hmm. Southside Chicago. So definitely yeah. hats off to all the teachers who are working definitely. beyond the politics of the work, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really focusing on what our students need. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's another reason I wrote this book, Good. because, um, you know, a lot of our teachers are struggling with a way to really connect with some of our boys. Yeah. And, um, and again, for me, man, sports, athletics, mentoring, basketball, relationships with other men and role, male role models have always proven beneficial for me. So as a man walking into school buildings, you know, I, I understand the gravity of that and how much responsibility I bear. So yeah, I, I, yep, I'm an educator. Yeah. No, I mean that I mean that's one of the toughest school districts I believe probably in yeah. the entire country. And what yeah. do you, what do you, personally what do you think is the biggest issue with, you know, south side of Chicago? Now, I've gone to Chicago several times. Me and my wife love the town. We think it's a great city, but we've never we've never seen the outside downtown, you know, or maybe you know, Wrigley Field, the north side, everything. And I've been to a, a, a Sox game, yeah. but I was at the Sox game and then I left and I went back down to the, you know, the loop. But so I never seen the true Chicago, I guess you could say, right? I seen the tourist Chicago. So, I mean, but what, 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 what do you think the biggest issue is? Wait, why do you think there is so much, so many issues of crime and everything? Is, is it? It's it's obviously not the education because I feel like you're representing saying that the teachers are trying. You're trying to mentor these kids. You're trying to get them on the right path and stuff like that. But well, is it when they leave school? Is it just they? they see other people doing other stuff and they feel like that's the way to do it or they have no, they feel like there's no way out is, I don't know. Yeah, man, this is, this is a deep question, right? And uh, this book's written on this topic, right? So I, I can do it a little justice. Yeah. But um, you know, there's, there's social, emotional, individual issues, all three, right? So you mm-hmm. have the social climate of the communities, um, despair and poverty. You can't negate the effects of poverty mm-hmm. and not having access when you live in a world that tells you, material access and attainment is success. Mm-hmm. And when you're yes. not able to actually accomplish that based on your own means in the present, mm-hmm. sometimes you do certain things which may be illegal and detrimental to yourself. So I definitely see that. I think uh, you know that, that psycho-emotional piece is major. Community trauma is real. You know, trauma passed on from parents into their children is real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how we cope in the communities we're not always shown the best examples of coping, right? So if you're a child growing up in a household, your mother's working two doubles as a nurse, mm-hmm. like many of my friends, right? You're growing up in front of um, images on the television that shows you what a black man is, and often those are destructive images. Um, aside from that, you know, single parent households, you know, yeah. single parent households has been truly detrimental. Mm-hmm. And it's not just in the now, but this has been something that's happened systemically as a condition of just our experience in America. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my um, grandparents fled from Duck Hill, Mississippi in the 60s. Wow. You know, for that time, they were a, commun- a part of a community that developed churches, 
that owned property that you know maintained their own farms left inherit you know left their children yeah um an inheritance but in coming to chicago we were starting over in housing projects and you know racial discrimination on the southeast side redlining so there's a host of issues but ultimately you know each individual you know is responsible for who they are and their development yeah but we also have a responsibility those of us who know to actually help individuals in making proper decisions and helping them understand ramifications of certain decisions so for me i try to help our young guys really understand ramifications and how to make the best decisions despite the social climate they're growing up in and living in and I try not to operate from that deficit mindset. You know, things are tough, but I also understand that, you know, my grandfather did migrate to Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who wasn't wanted, as someone who wasn't regarded as human. So I acknowledge the tremendous growth of the community. You know, I, I can't name too many other communities who have come from, you know, certain conditions of not even be being regarded as human yeah. and making such tremendous strides in just a generation or two. So I think we need yeah. to keep that into proper context and remind ourselves that things aren't as bad as they've been and things are great and will continue to progress and climb. So I try to operate from that, um, you know, that asset development mindset to develop ourselves as potential mm-hmm. assets. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Nice. I mean, it is. It's. It's. It, it, you're only as good as the person you want to be, and uh, it's. It's great to have people like you, and uh, you know, Chad yourself coaching to have people that kids that may not have the opportunity to have someone to look up to can look up to, and uh, you know, help it. I mean, you need a male role model in your life. It helps, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it dramatically affects you, um, growing up uh, as a you know as a male or a female not having that you know strong force mm-hmm. in your house, you know. Um, and, and yeah, and like you said, if they don't have it and, you know, mom's working two jobs and she's not around and, you know, maybe grandma's, you know, taking care of some of the stuff for you or whatever, or you have some babysitters, but you're not getting mm-hmm. all, the only man you know is the guy you see on TV, right? So as a, you know, a growing up, you know, child during adolescence, that's all you know to compare yourself to. You really have no one to tell you, mm-hmm. no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, this yeah. is what you got to do, you know? And it's no fault of anyone. It's just the certain circumstances, right? And that's just the society we live in, but, um... I mean, they paint South Side of Chicago to be like, you know, Iraq, right? And you're from there. Is it that bad or is it kind of like amplified on TV to be as bad as it seems, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, certain things, certain things sell, you know, certain images mm-hmm. just yeah. are picked up a little bit easier. Like I say, I'm from 64th and True. I didn't know it was a problem until somebody told me, Okay. you yeah, know, yeah. you know, things were as bad as, you know, they say it is. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to. Um, you know, negate the need, you know, in these communities mm-hmm. for investment in business. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the need for capital investment. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. There is tremendous, you know, need, you know, mm-hmm. but there's also a culture here that has been the hub of black culture. You mentioned it, man, like things like basketball are now these global international mm-hmm. institutions, right? Many of these things started and are continuing to be fostered in communities like Southside Chicago, South Central LA. Mm -hmm. So there's these gems there. And I think the media or sometimes even us internally, we don't recognize our own worth and we give too much credit to outsiders who are defining who we are. 
So yeah, exactly. man, there's definitely, you know, things that need to be corrected. You know, the violence here is real, but for every murder you see, there's still how many thousands of successes. Oh, know? I'm so, sure. Yeah. You, yeah, you know, exactly. So it's about perspective. Yeah. And um, sometimes internally in the communities, we also fall for it, you know, and we're yeah, running man. from our own neighborhoods, fleeing, mm. buying into the suburbs, and that just perpetuates this cycle of not having a middle class to create business opportunities yeah. um, and, you know, devaluation of properties in the neighborhood. So, you know, I, I get, I get the critique, but there's also tremendous opportunity. I, I visited Detroit not too long ago and I'm like, yo, I can buy a, a house here yeah. for what I would spend on a mm -hmm. freaking shack in Chicago. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's about yeah. perspective, yep. you know, and, and that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's exactly, it's perspective. I mean, Adam and I grew up in the Boston area, and we, we heard stories of bad sections of towns and stuff like that. And then you grow up, and you go into those towns for one reason or another, and you're like, yeah, it's not that bad. You know, media really kind of painted this thing to be mm -hmm. worse than it really was. And there's great people that come out of these areas, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, forever, like, uh, growing up in Boston, was Roxbury was the dangerous part of town. You don't want to go to Roxbury. Roxbury. I mean, but you have, you know, Bobby Brown came from Roxbury, right. you know what I mean? No, I didn't. You got Dorchester, don't go to Dorchester. But then you have new kids in the block come from Dorchester. So there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's, you know, stuff like that that comes from these areas, right? So I don't know. I think, I, like I tell everyone, when you look at the media and you watch what you see on TV, take it with a grain of salt, you know, and do your own homework to make your own evaluation for anything. Because at the end of the day, you only can make your own opinions. And if you listen to other people's opinions, then you're just an ass because, you know, everyone has an opinion and mm -hmm. they suck, right? So that's the way I do the thing. <laughs> you can look at them to base to get an idea. But at the end of the day, the only way you're ever going to come up with a solid answer that you can live with is if you just either experience yourself or do your own homework and know, go through the sources. There's a lot of mm -hmm. shit out there. There's really a lot yeah. of garbage out there, right? I mean, for anything. I mean, you can look up anything in this world and you see the garbage that's there. And you got to really go through like two Google searches before you actually find the truth. And you, yeah. by the time you get to the truth, you're so overwhelmed with all the crap that's out there. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what's, what way is right or left. You know what I mean? But damn, man. It's, and he it's crazy. Hey, I see it as I see it as opportunities, man. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Some people see it as negative. It's an opportunity. Exactly. You know, you yep. can invest in communities in Chicago right now and you'll be winning in 20 years. You know, just invest not just with your money, but mm -hmm. also, mm -hmm. you know, contribute to the culture and the development of the individuals there. And I think uh, we're winning yeah. long term. Chicago, yeah. uh, other than Boston, after me and my wife went out there uh, last uh, last fall. Um, surpassed New York City as my second favorite city in the country. So yeah, I love Chicago's Chi beautiful, love it. man. Love Chi Town. Chicago's a beautiful city. Even yeah. out south, southeast lakefront. I mm. love it. I love the High Park Lakefront area. The people are awesome. <laughs> Better than anywhere else on the lake. You know, it, you know, the thing about Chicago people, they don't carry the attitude like New Yorkers have, right? They're just they're just <laughs> humble, nice people to talk to, you know, and everyone you, you encounter, just people just they're just really solid. You know, wholesome Midwestern people that you know to the heart of it. You know what I mean? They yeah. don't get like that. Uh, New Yorkers are a little tough to you know break, right? They're like they get that solid bubble. You gotta you gotta puncture a little bit before you gotta you know get to know them a little bit. But but, but the Midwest man, it's like when you go out there and everyone's like, you know, yeah, absolutely, you know, help you with this. But but you know, I don't know. I never seen anything bad in Chicago. And I've been there four times, and every single time I was there, never seen anything that would make me not want to go back to Chicago. New York, I can't say the same for because I seen some shit in New York go down. A yeah, times, same here, man. I mean? New York makes like, me nervous. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. oh, how did I end up in this section of town? I must have took the wrong <laughs> train. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I don't know, you know, that's life, right? But uh, mm -hmm. 
gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we're approaching. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we we love it. We, I, Chad, I need you back when you get that new invention going. And Jim, yes. we'll have you back anytime we need someone back. You're a, you're in the Packy family. So, you know, <laughs> you have an open invitation anytime you want to come join us or whatever. But, uh, Chad, just one more time, plug your stuff. Tell people how they can get any information for you. You can go to ballbyyourself.com to purchase. I also have T-shirts. I have hoodies. Um, I have gift cards on there. I have videos that you can see me and Kevin Hart and Steph Curry. And just check me out. Social media, Ball By Yourself on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, make sure you download the app for drills and instructions. And, um, yeah. Excellent. It's real for COVID. This is the best product right now. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get mine. There you go. <laughs> I, I got you. <laughs> I got you. And and Jim, where can they where can they read your stuff? Where can they get your book? How do we get? Yeah, this? yeah, yeah. Well, first, thank you guys for having me, man. I enjoyed it. You guys can um, find more on me at um, basketballallnight.com. Real simple, basketballallnight.com. All right. Thank you guys again for joining us. We will have you guys back soon. Ryan, we got one more hour of this phenomenal show coming on. I mean, we're, we're <laughs> flying through this. This is a record. I've never, we're breaking my record for being on the air. Two hours is the longest. So this is, we're going to crack it tonight. But uh, who do we have on for the third uh, segment of the show tonight? Oh, we've got adult film star Ray Ray. And then we've got uh, the reggae singer Taurus Riley. So Hell yeah. So if you guys are watching on Facebook right now, we're streaming this all the way all night long. So just nice. hang out tight. We're going to take a little intimation for about five minutes or so. And then we'll come back and uh, we'll start uh, the new episode. But thanks again, Chad, Jim. Pleasure talking to you guys. Thank we'll you talk guys. to you guys soon. Thank you. Have a good Thanks. night. Thanks. Thanks.